Computer, initialize Holosuite. Space, the final frontier. Let's see what's out there. There are a million things in this universe you can have, and there are a million things you can't have. It's no fun facing that, but that's the way things are. You can deny me all you want. But you cannot deny Ben Sisko. Exist. Dismissed. Let's start with expression four. Get out. Hello, and welcome to Her First Track. I am her. I'm Katie. And you are? Kyle. Do you know, you almost give me the same setup every episode, and I still just seem to come in with like... There's a real pause. Yeah, and, and also... <laughs> Makes you wonder if you've forgotten your name. No, I just feel like you have all this energy when you start, but I typically lack all sorts of energy. So, like, I'm fully aware that the tone is about to change the moment I speak. <laughs> you are torpid. That's oh. a new word I learned today. Torpid? What does that mean? Sluggish. Lethargic. Definitely. Lacking in energy. Yeah. Drowsy. Wow, I mean, this is now <laughs> just getting really... This is really becoming character I that assassination. Word today. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I just feel like I can use it so often. This is like when you got me that, that watch from my birthday, that, like, fitness watch thing. Oh, yeah. And I entered my weight and my height, and it told me that I was, like, fat and heavy or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, wow. That's really mean. Brilliant. Thanks for the birthday gift, KE. And now you found out what... Was it Torpid? Torpid. Torpid. Sounds like a Pokemon, to be honest. It does. It also sounds like Torpedo. Yes, which is cool. If you call me the Torpedo, I'd go with that. Noted. So, uh, yeah, welcome to her first trek. Uh, we are Mr. and Mrs. West. On the last episode, we did discuss our wedding day. Not much detail, but we discussed it. Maybe we'll bleed things out, uh, let things flow out in future episodes. But there is a story we didn't tell. And we're going to tell it now because we didn't remember until until after we'd uh, done the last episode. But the day after, now bear in mind, you know, people, patrons heard our um, story about how I almost killed myself on an electric scooter a couple of weeks ago and concussed myself. And um, <laughs> I, I believe I'm getting over that now. I, I don't have the headache very often, so woohoo! Still alive! <laughs> Still alive. So the day after the wedding, so we'd been married at this point for, I think, about... Probably about 31 hours mm-hmm. we'd been married for. We had to go to A&E. Yeah. Yeah. That was my fault. It was your fault, not mine. It wasn't because of me. So anyone who, <laughs> you know, most people will listen to this show and think, how does she put up with him? All the stuff he does, all the stupid stuff. We had to go to A&E because of you. During a pandemic. I'm so sorry. In mind, our NHS workers who, that's National Health Service for anyone who's not in the UK, the National Health Service is our medical institution. Uh, we get free healthcare. Obviously, during COVID, they're working really hard. There's lots to do. You can't just walk into A&E anymore. That's accidents and emergencies. Is that what it stands for? Or can you? Yeah, uh, but it turns out you can, particularly if you've just got married. But more about my superheroics to save the day in this story later, because we are going to definitely enjoy those moments. Katie, tell us why we ended up in A&E. Well... I can't remember who told me, but I, I wear a lot of rings normally, right? I've got rings on most things. I'm a bit like Phoebe. I'll wear rings on every finger. So everyone said, for your wedding day, you're going to have to take your rings off. So I decided to swap my engagement ring and my eternity ring to the other hand so that I could have a free hand for you to slip my wedding ring onto. Grand. Okay. Noticed when I put it on, it was a little bit tighter than it normally would be. But I was like, 
Hey, it's fine. The next day, we'd spent the day together, first weekend without the kids, whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, yes, it first was. First ever. First time ever. Bear in mind now, Harrison is five. Mm-hmm. Our daughter is three. So this was the first time ever that we've had a Friday night and Saturday night without our kids. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting watching Thor and... I was like, my finger's starting to feel a little bit funny. And I realized that my finger had swelled up. So I'd already got the engagement ring off you at this point. Well, I, I cried and I made you like earlier. rip it off me. Yeah, and earlier it was in the day. really painful. I'd managed to get the engagement ring off earlier in the day. And you felt that relief some pressure. So we thought, I, I couldn't get the other one off. But uh, we thought that the main problem was off, was mm-hmm. gone. And the ring, your finger was still swollen. So we couldn't get eternity ring off. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. No. So I tried everything. It was disgusting. I put vegetable oil on my yeah, hand. Was some grim. I put washing up liquid on my hand. I put my hand in hot water, put my hand in cold water, put peas, well, actually frozen fruit around my hand. And nothing was helping. It was just getting worse. It was pulsating. It was turning purple. Things were bad. So I phoned one emergency health number. You phoned another one. Mine got cut off. So oh, got then, cut off today. Yeah, that's why I came out to you. Okay. And I was so stressed. I was stood in the rain. You were stood in the rain because we don't get a signal in our house. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you might have to wait for two or three hours. And I was like, I'm going to lose my finger. And then how would I do LLAP without a finger? It, it just wouldn't look right. No, it would actually become the opposite of what L- uh, LLAP means. Which is what? Which is, um, you know... Lose your finger. No, you have live long and prosper, and this is like live short and fail. I did feel like that was going to happen to me. That's by the way, that's not the gesture. For, I don't even know. If, I, I, it doesn't roll for tongue either. I was trying. I should have prepared for that. I was trying to think of something. I know. I could see your brain trying live short to work. and fail. Maybe you are still concussed. But yeah. Anyway, I was like, I don't think we we only live like a five minute walk from the hospital, so I was like, that's I'm it. just gonna go there. Well, they, no, you didn't just say that. Basically, on the phone, I was like, look. You tell me I'm going to wait for two or three hours to come down because because of COVID nineteen you can't just walk in there. Which sorry, it wasn't so even stupid. that. It wasn't two or three hours to go in. Sorry, it was two or three hours for a call back. Now I know that actually when you go to A and E, a good chance you wait that long anyway. But we're talking about a situation where you could potentially lose your finger. Like I'm uh, not being over yeah, dramatic. It was looking bad. I said, "What else can I do?" And now I think in an attempt to discourage me from doing what I ended up doing, she said, "Well, you could try and come down and sort of try your luck." but it's very likely they're just going to send you away. And let's be honest, it was incredibly likely they were going to send us away. But we went anyway. Uh, we walked down, start to rain quite badly. What do we say to the naysayers, West? Yeah, we we say... What do we say? We say nay to you. Yeah, I was going to say nay for that, and I thought maybe there's a line I'm missing. We do say nay to you. So we went down there. We marched down there. Well, we tried to march, but our cat was following us. Yeah, so, I so had to, then you marched back to Yeah, the I had to then pick him up and march back to put him in the house so he wouldn't follow us out onto the main, the main roads. And then I came and followed after you, caught up with you. Uh, we went down to A&E, explained the situation to them because they were kind of like, you can't walk in. And then they thought I was basically saying that the staff member had just said, ah, just come down and they'll see you. That's not what happened. I tried to clarify that after. I dropped the mention that we just got married the day before and that's why the rings are on the other finger. And at that point, the, the really sort of miserable one, I dare say, who was on the on the doors, asked a paramedic, I think it was, who walked past, if mm-hmm. uh, that if we took you, if you went around to A&E and the waiting thing, would they be able to just quickly jump you to the top of the line? Just because it's just it a, off. Just to cut not it off. Not my finger. Yeah, not your finger. You went off. I couldn't come with you because of COVID, so I stayed out in the rain. And what happened? They chopped it off. Yes. And what did he say? He said that it was pretty bad. And he was like, I'm really glad that you came to do this because this could have been a lot worse. And as soon as they had like this little tiny, it was like a 
little electric pizza cutter and then they put a bit of metal underneath the ring and did like a and cut it and they had to stop halfway through because the friction burn because like metal on metal it was burning was it really hurt as soon as they cut it off i could feel the blood rushing back into my finger and my finger was so grateful it was like thank you and he was like yeah this this was bad he was like if you'd left this much longer it would have been it would have been bad and to be fair like when i finally did get the call back from a and e because there's no way for me to put in that I don't need the call anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they did call back and explain to them, it was actually a two hours. So we would have had to yeah. wait two hours and I, who knows what. And to be honest, all they would have said, best case scenario, is come down so we can cut it off. Yeah. So we just, we just kind of jumped. I even two. said to the woman, I was like, I just want them to cut this ring off. If you know of a way or somewhere else I can get this cut off, tell me. me. We came back, we finished Thor. I was in and out in 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah. So uh, it worked out well for us. We're only talking about two episodes of Star Trek this time. Uh, trying to go a little shorter with our episodes this week, maybe for the next couple of weeks, just to try it out. So enjoy a discussion of, well, we're hitting Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Katie. So please enjoy the rest of this show and your Trek discussion. Be sure to follow us on social media at Her First Trek. That's Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. And don't forget to let us know what you thought of the episode, either on there or via a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please give us the reviews. It helps us a lot for algorithms and all sorts of stuff. If you listen to the show, honestly, if you're on your phone, it's even easier. Just go on that podcast app that you're using right now and hit five stars. Would love it. It appears that Kess's injuries were not caused by an energy discharge. The doctor has found evidence that she was physically assaulted. Assaulted? But you weren't physically assaulted. That is correct. Is it possible that you inflicted her wounds? Me? Maybe you were inhabited by the alien at that moment. It is possible. Perhaps we should have the doctor run a neurological scan to see if I show memory disruption. Agreed. Janeway to sickbay. Computer, activate emergency medical holographic system. Unable to comply. The EMH program has been disabled. Disabled? By whom? Unknown. We are closing in on the end of Voyager Season 1. It's getting close now. Like we're in the last four episodes before we talk about this one. So at that point, shit feels real. It's been a long road. It hasn't actually. It's gone really quickly. Yeah, it's gone quite quick, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, for Voyager at least. Anyway, it's a short I've, season. I've been at War Pete. <laughs> Warpaint just blasting through. through. Yeah. So this episode, I don't even know how to say the name that we're going to talk about. Is it Cathexis? Why are you asking me? Cathexis? Cathexis? I, think I like that one. Yeah, I mean, I do Meow. like that. <laughs> but I think it's probably Cathexis. Oh, it's like a cat hex. A cat, cat hex. Hiss. Right, okay. I'm going to go with Cathexis. Okay. on this one damn it because um, I'm not going to be able to stop you from meowing otherwise um, <laughs> talk to us about this very huge Chakotay episode huge Chakotay episode um, and his massive role within his own episode why are you saying it like it's a dirty thing a sarcasm Chakotay appeared in like one scene oh I see oh, right <laughs> so um, Chakotay and Tuvok are in a shuttle and they're coming back and Kim's like ah it's been badly damaged and their life signs are weak and I don't know what's happened so they get them back on board and Chakotay's in a coma but Tuvok's still awake and he's like oh some ship attacked us and then went back into the nebula there's a lot of nebulas in Mm. the Delta Quadrant yeah yeah full of nebulas everyone loves a nebula 
And then Chakotay's in a coma. And meanwhile, some weird stuff is going on on the ship. Kess is like, there's a presence here. She can't see it, but she can like feel it. And then randomly... They are like, oh, we should go back to the nebula. But they keep changing course and they can't really determine why. And then they realise that it was Tom Harris. Yeah, all evidence. Even, there was evidence that yeah, even it like was Tom Paris. DNA traces. DNA. It was at his station. Mm. They said that he'd stopped by, was it engineering or something? And he was like, well, no, I didn't. And it was really nice how Janeway just believed him. That was really cool. She did not rule out immediately that something was causing him to lose memory of it. Yeah, I know. Like but she like... believed him, but she was open to the idea that... Paris's body in some way was still doing it. Yeah, but like when you think he he was a criminal. Mm. And also like we've had plenty of evidence on the show of people going undercover. Uh, the last episode, I think. Yeah, was, and was like the last fucking one people over. Yeah. But actually, she believed him straight away. Anyway, something else happens with Torres and she's done something. Like she ejected the warp core or something, did she? Or stopped no, she's doing stopped something else. The yeah, engine. turned the warp core off. And then it was going to take like two hours to get back online. But she doesn't remember doing it either. So they end up scanning them and it's like, oh, you have some kind of like weird brainwave memory thing. In the meantime, we see like from the sort of attack point of view floating around the ship and obviously no one can see it and they keep, it keeps like going into people or going past people and you're like oh what's going on here anyway long and short of it is it was Tuvok the whole time. Well, the alien was yeah, yeah. alien was into. I mean, yeah, I'm still going to blame him though. They weren't actually attacked by a ship. That was a lie. And it was just some energy thing from the nebula who went into Tuvok and was attacking people and attacked Kess. Kess. Yeah. With a really hard Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah, there was bruising on her and stuff. And Pow. And then into a coma. Yeah, and then you'd obviously attack Chakotay, and then they had to like oh, fiddle around all the think command about the fact codes. Attack Chakotay. I think I think about that. I couldn't work out why Chakotay was like in his own coma thing. I don't know whether he attacked him or whether the energy energy did it. Yeah. Just did it, and then went to Tuvok. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. It turns out that the floating energy around the ship has been Chakotay this whole time. He was yeah. having like an out of body experience and was actually sabotaging everything to stop them from going back to the nebula because he knew it was dangerous. Yeah. So Paris actually wasn't yeah. a traitor. It was Chakotay. Yeah. Torres. I mean, I love the bit when they were finally going in to the nebula and what well, we know is Chakotay now takes over Blana and Blana just ends up like calling up to. The bridge, and she's like, hey, so I think I just got taken over because uh, I've just ejected the warp core. <laughs> and even you. you I mean, warp. I know nothing about any of this stuff, but I was like, oh, damn. Your jaw was actually like hanging open. You were like, oh, my God, I just ejected the warp but I was core. just thinking, how are they going to get it back? How do they get it back? Shuttles, like tractor hoover, beam. Hoover it up. Trying to get it back in the hole would be mm-hmm. difficult, though. Why? I just... Surely it's a perfect fit. Oh, yeah, but you got to get it right, haven't you? you got, you got to get it right at the right angle to go in and push in without damaging the sides or, or the warp core as you're pushing it What are you forward. talking about? I'm not sure myself, actually. <laughs> I don't know what happened. You do see an episode in Voyage, I think, where you may see the warp core come out with the actual ship. Well, you I hope it. that in the next episode I see it go back in, because otherwise, continuity. Oh, they did say. Did they? Yeah, they made a comment that they just offhand, or we retrieved the warp core. Oh. We flew back out and the walk core was still there. It's like, well, you're really lucky. I mean, space is big, so the odds of someone stumbling across that is slim. Whoa, it's a warp core. Finders keepers. But look, yeah, that could have been some serialized storytelling there. That could yeah. have kicked off the next episode. But where, they're not going anywhere. So it would have been like, here's some serialized storytelling. <laughs> we're stuck here. We're stuck for the foreseeable are. because we don't have a warp core. And <laughs> I imagine they're not just things. things that you find. Oh, yeah, tell me about Let's it. Let's just go to the holiday. Let's replicate and... one. <laughs> Let's replicate a warp core. <laughs> I think that's what they do. So, did you know what was going on in this episode? Nah. At one point. So, no. the when it looked like Paris had definitely 
been responsible for it, whether or not he knew. Did you think we had another traitor episode going on? Or? I actually thought that there were two aliens at that point. I thought that they were probably being possessed by something, but I thought there were two. It was clear to us that there was two. Definitely didn't think it was Chakotay. No. Really? What do you think was wrong with Chakotay then? You just thought he was... Like, dead? I just thought he was in a coma. Like, I didn't think his mind was, like, floating around. I did wonder, not whether he was taking over people, but, you know, when she was doing that medicine wheel and she was like, oh, I've got to guide him back to his body. I was like, maybe he's somewhere on the ship. I thought, like, maybe he was in the systems or something. Because, you know, that's a thing. I really hated as well that Tuvok deactivated and disabled the EMH. I know it wasn't real Tuvok. It was, like, alien Tuvok. But to disable him, it just feels like, that feels like murder. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I know they didn't delete him because that would be well, he would be gone then. I can't imagine it's that easy to just delete him from the system. But to disable him so he can't come back out to what he knows is life just feels like. And encrypted it as well. Yeah. It's almost like putting him in a prison. It's horrible, isn't it? Like what happens when he's just turned off? Is he asleep? Presumably he doesn't even know. Or is he like, hey, Olivia. Well, he's just a program, isn't he? So uh, would the program just be running in the background? Because mm. he, he is just a computer program. I don't know. And then what if they'd had like a medical emergency? Apparently Tom Paris is the medic. He'd have to step in, yeah. Yeah. I mean, why? Well, they had it at the start of the show, didn't they? He had like a little bit of field training or something. So he was going to be the nurse until they got Kess on board for it. Mm. Do you enjoy this one? I did. I, I really enjoyed this one, actually. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Couldn't quite make sense of why Chakotay was floating around the ship. But it's sci-fi, I'll just... I don't need to have everything explained <laughs> just, for me. Just smile and wave. <laughs> yeah, just just go along with it, really. Yeah. Any favourite moments for you? Love the like scenes between Tuvok and Janeway. Oh, I was just about to say because that. Because I was like, one of you is lying. Who is it? And for a while I was like, maybe it's Janeway. Because, you know, Voyager's been doing this to us. It's like, mm. who's to blame? Yeah, there has been a lot of that, actually. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I like having my mind fucked with in that way, you yeah. know? But I, I should have known it was Tuvok, really, because he has that look about him. Yeah, it was quite a well thought out plan as well. Getting rid of the doctor so that she'd be forced to share the commands with someone else. But when he said that, I was like, maybe, in some like twisted way, I thought maybe it was her way of getting them. If she deactivated him, she would know that Tuvok would have to share the command codes. Because they both had it, didn't they? they? No, they both got it after, I think. It was because the doctor got disabled that she had to share it with Tuvok which I think was his plan all along oh so I'm starting to think that the one in Tuvok couldn't he couldn't actually change bodies no I don't oh, think okay. so okay that makes sense to me then oh so that's why I wouldn't have just gone into Janeway yeah okay that actually makes yeah because I, I wondered that as well but God, see then... the episode didn't explain this stuff very well no because we saw like Chakotay Doing it, yeah. spirit like floating between everybody I thought that the energy one could oh, go so as not, well so that's but, not even related yeah. to they're not even related to each other no how Chakotay was do- so... no he's just doing it I think because he's like so fuck me, Chakotay falls That's... asleep and then he can just go into your body. Yeah, it's a bit worrying really. It, it is a little bit, a little bit. It's a bit worrying. non-consensual. <laughs> he was trying to save the day, I guess. It's, he had good intentions. I wonder if he like knows your thoughts and stuff. Dirty perv. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to get in Janeway's head. Who yeah, wouldn't? That scene with Janeway and Tuvok when she, you know when he starts explaining to her that the doctor's found evidence of harm to Cass's body that suggests mm. she was physically attacked. You just see Janeway sort of face change and she sort of, she slings looks back in the at chair. him with like pure disgust. Yeah, like she suddenly Which is, pieces it together. I'm not one stand up for Tuvok because I'm not like I'm not into him right now. But that was a bit harsh because it wasn't really his fault. But she was like, "Oh, does that mean it was you?" Yeah, I think she's piecing together you with him. Break. <laughs> I guess sometimes you've got to try and take a moment to remember that it's not that person, isn't it? 
Because all you know at first is Tuvok was in there with it. You've got to remember that it wouldn't have been Tuvok. I guess she wasn't really talking to Tuvok. She was talking to the thing. I think she realised then that he might still be. But then he sort of talked it off, didn't he? Instead of having a recollection of it. He was very chilled about the whole thing, actually. Well, it's a perfect person to go into. And we, did we see any scene with Kess and <gasps> Tuvok? Where uh, he was no. apologising to her for... No, he probably should have. ...this really traumatic assault on her? Because he, he put her into a coma. Yeah. So what, did he neck pinch her and then like do something mind meldy with her? Imagine if it was that easy to put someone into a coma. God, I could get a good night's sleep. Oh no, I'd probably end up like fucking Chakotay and be floating around hissing out. Imagine though how different the story would have been if the energy had gone into Chakotay. Because now we know that he has obviously got a very strong mind and can come out of his body. So I don't know if you can do this all the time. <laughs> imagine like the energy having a fight with mini like spirit Chakotay. I, I don't know whether it's taking place like in his brain or... In some, like, Matrix-style world. Ooh. Or whether they're, like, fighting over Chakotay's body, so he's, like, punching himself in the face, you know? So it's like Neo Chakotay. Neo is the hero in... Chakotneo. It's very late. So, thumbs up. It was an up, up, up. Up, up, And away. Oh, I was building to that, then. Sorry. I wonder what was controlling those energy creatures. One thing certain, it wasn't me. Try telling the villagers that. They saw the Sirar choose you as his successor. Yeah, but he made a mistake. Well, you saw the way he greeted you when we arrived. Oh. It was as if he was expecting you. But I'll tell you this, Chief. I'm glad you came along on this mission, because if it wasn't for you, I'd have done what I could for the Sirar and left, and look what I would have missed. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, Julian. Oh, don't worry, Chief. I have faith in you. Oh, do you? I mean, for all we know, you really were sent by the Prophets. I was sent by Commander Sisko. This... Dull rock or whatever will be returning this evening, and everybody's counting on me to be able to stop it. The only trouble is, I don't have the slightest idea how I'm supposed to do that. So, I'm about to hit you up with my description of the DS9 we watched earlier. The storyteller. One might say, I am. Yeah, you are the storyteller. <gasps> I'm the Sira or whatever it was. Was it Sira? Can't remember. I remember it sounded a bit like Sarah. I, I am the Sarah. I thought they were talking about. I thought they kept saying the Sarong. No, which would be not completely that. different. Yeah, I definitely don't want to see Miles in a Sarong. Oh God, or Julian, because you know that he's Ju- going to use that as an excuse. Julian completely wears a Sarong. Oh, absolutely, doesn't he? He's a Sarong kind of guy. Just in his free time, in his quarters. <laughs> yeah, sandals and a Sarong. Oh no, barefoot! Come on. How oh, do you think? Oh. <laughs> Not feeling Bashir? No. You got the kind of reaction that O'Brien had in this episode to the fact he had to go on this mission. Oh, was yeah. Feeling... I was feeling that. Yeah. I yeah. felt so bad for him. Yeah. I was like, man, that's Cisco sucks. Cisco just like, didn't give <laughs> You have shit. pulled the short straw. Yeah. Cisco's like, yes, I can get him off my station Yeah, same Cisco who, who ripped Bashir a new one in the last episode. Yeah, that's probably why. They probably him. haven't, like, made up. Yeah, that's true. Tell us what happened then. Okay. So, a couple of different things going on here. On the station, they are... Organising some talks between some Bajoran peoples who are fighting over some land. So they're like trying to be diplomatic between them and like talk them over their differences. We didn't really see an awful lot of that, but the leader of one of the like tribes, I guess, was like a 15 year old girl. Yeah. Who takes the interest of the baby Ferengi. <laughs> the baby Ferengi. <laughs> Nog. Oh, it's Nog. <laughs> um, why do I always forget his name? It's, and it's not exactly a no, hard, I know, a I hard know. name. Of all the names I can remember, Nog. <laughs> um, and Jake. So they like try to impress her by like doing some 
funny stuff. And then it turns out anyway that something one of them said is like really poignant in her decision making. Think of it as an opportunity. Yeah. As in, Mark said. Like the diplomacy meetings. Yeah. Anyway. She was a tough cookie. Negotiate well, well, not really a tough cookie. She was just a stubborn bitch, is yeah. what she was. Yeah, I'm glad you dropped the B word and not me. It's <laughs> it's better coming from you. Um, but I mean, I I only identify with her actually because I too am a stubborn bitch. That all works itself out, and we find out in that particular storyline that the reason she was spending time with Jake and Nog wasn't because she missed her childhood because she had to take over her whole land area a bit. Um, so young because her dad died uh, at the hands of the Cardassians, but it was because she knew that Jake was Cisco's son, and so she was trying to find out from Jake whether Cisco was someone who could be trusted. So if Cisco was saying this is a good deal or something, that she could trust that Cisco was a man of his word and wouldn't be trying to mislead her. I completely missed the deal, though. Oh, something to do because they were fighting over a river. Yeah. Because well, well, I know that bit. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. but the resolution. The resolution was that they would have both, like they would give the river back or something, but then because the girls tribe had the river but she said that they would give it back but have like trade access was it the girls it was her river no originally oh. it was the other people's river oh but she but had to land the other side of the river and then they moved the Cardassians yeah, moved diverted the, the river into oh, yeah. Yeah. so it meant that she got more of the guy's yeah. land which was interesting so what, what was it so she the agreement she was going to make was that she's going to give them the river back but she had trade access through the river or something so it works out that's okay what would you have done in her situation I thought she made a pretty good like at the start oh at the start I probably wouldn't have thrown a drink over what's his face that was ridiculous for a start over Quark yeah that was so stupid why don't you have done that to Cisco oh yeah Oh, he damn. would have slapped her upside the head is what he would have said. <laughs> he would have slapped her. A Cisco slap right across, right across the <laughs> And cheek. he would have been so, like, just cold Hard. while oh, he yeah. was doing it. Oh, yeah, he would have stared her out. And it would have been a backhand. He oh. would have been like, girl, please. <laughs> and then if she would, like, cry or something, he'd be like, dust yourself off, bitch. Get up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's like, I don't have no crybabies on this station. <laughs> Tough love from Cisco. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was a bit Actually, I think OTT. that would have been better. <laughs> She was a bit OTT. She was. She was. Poor Quark. The whole issue I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Like the river being moved. Who's right then? I mean... Can I, I just ask a practical question? What? How does one move a river? How does one not move a river? Very easily. The one in our <laughs> city has been there for it's the future. a while. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. guess you would build in... Dams. Yeah, and... Well, you just got to change the flow of any of it. Yeah, but they didn't they like change it by like twenty kilometers. That's quite you know. That's a, that's a lot. It's a big flow. A big um, flow no. change. <laughs> the issue I had in this episode was that I thought that bit would have made for a really awesome episode mm. where it was like the the driving force, but it wasn't the actual main plot. It kind of played in a B and a C plot. So it could have really been like a whole episode yeah. in itself, couldn't it? Yeah, it would have been more interesting. <clears throat> the main plot. Yeah. Which is the storytelling part of it. Yes. I really want to hear you try and describe what. <laughs> was going on here because this was i think this was awful so bashir and um o'brien go down to a the bajor and they are there because apparently there is something which is going to wipe out their village which i well, assumed was some kind they of went plague to check on the guy yeah no yeah. that's what they said that was the oh, reason it? he was going down there to check it wasn't a plague yeah and i thought it was some kind of plague i thought it was like oh we're gonna get another bloody covid19 episode here we go <laughs> um but it turns out it's just this guy is ill this really old guy and they're like well no he's gonna have to he's gonna have to just get out of bed because oh yeah his organs are failing and he's dying no worries he has to protect this whole town from a, a cloud of gloop 
in the sky, which somehow has like an a, extendable arm it was thing punching. that it punches the... <laughs> yeah, it was punching the horse. <laughs> that punches the village with. And every every year... It comes. Hang on, right. Every year after the harvest, I know. it comes for five days this was and day repeatedly four. Punches. punches the city unless... This old man stands on a rock and shouts at it. Yeah. And then the other people are like, yeah, you're right. Boo. But how was this day four? If it was that bad. I mean, if this guy's state was that bad, he must have been out for three nights already doing it. <laughs> well, no wonder he's fucking tired. I would be. Anyway, the guy dies. If you saw me shouting at a cloud, waving my fists and telling a story. I'd have you institutionalised. Yeah, you'd think uh, I'd be going to that place that uh, Kirk... Kirk and the Enterprise went maybe, to. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's beaten. That's yes. the problem. Um, oh, sorry, I can't stop. But anyway, the guy dies. And um, they've decided that O'Brien, or he decides that O'Brien is his successor. So he expects this really straight-laced Irish guy to don his coat of many colours. and his technical, his technical O'Brien's technicolour dream coat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stand on a rock and shout at it. Um, so O'Brien's really like, I'm not feeling this. Like, he's been asked to bless babies. He's getting all these gifts and he's just like, no. He says, They offered him women. Yeah, they offered him women. <laughs> they're like, no, but they're like, oh, right. From a practical point of view, let's figure out what this thing is and why it is doing what it's doing because the tricorder doesn't pick it up. Mm. And then we can stop it so that I don't have to go out later and scream out loud. <laughs> but it doesn't figure it out. I don't even think at the end we really know what it is. Well, so there was a guy, I think the son or something of the old man. The apprentice. Who said that he is meant to be the person doing it. Yeah. But it turns out he'd failed one time. So right. Miles was forced to end up doing it. Well, he clearly didn't fail because... But the old guy, turns out, was lying about Miles. It was just done so that Miles wouldn't be able to do it. So that his son or grandson, wherever he was, would step up to the plate. But we did find out, and the problem with this episode is the kids were talking all the way through it. We did find out that only the anointed person, whatever their name was, what was it, Sarong? The, the Sarong. Yeah. Sarah Sarong. <laughs> is the only one who ever knows that this cloud of gloop, as you called it, is actually created by the imagination of the people of the town. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, at this point, either I missed something that got said, or it was just fucking absurd. It was that. Is, that. is how did they imagine... This cloud of club that can actually... So they imagined it. The tricorder couldn't detect it. It wasn't there. And yet, it was very windy. It was punching the walls. Mm. You know, the walls were, mm. were, were fucking actually getting mm. damaged. Do you know what, though? But it wasn't... Re- it, it was their imagination. The thing that really pissed me off about this episode, like, honestly... Like, For the record, though, you did give this a decent rating. You said it was good. I know, but now I'm talking about it. Oh, no. I'm like... You're demoting it. This is actually the worst thing. When... Worse than that one the other week? No. I mean... Where they were skipping... No. Hopping. The bit, you know, like the beard guy was shouting at the clouds and he's like shouting his fists and he's like, once upon a time there was a whatever this thing is and it was terrorizing the people and the people are like, yeah, go home, boo, we hate you. But when O'Brien's doing it, they don't bother. They're just standing there. And it's like, was it really him this whole time or was it you guys? Yeah. And the- did you guys fail? I think it was you. Yeah, because it's not actually anyone special. It's just someone can tell a story also, in a way that... it was a that shit story. It was a really bad story. It didn't have any characters. It didn't really have a plot. I wouldn't be cheering that story. And also, Whoever did he do it. anything else for the rest of the year? Or did he just sit there thinking about this story? Because I think he probably should have thought a bit right. harder. He gets his women. 
I assume, judging from what we saw them offer Bless O'Brien. his babies. Yeah. What, so he works five days a year on that shite story and gets, like, praised by everyone? Yeah. He's got the best job in the world. Sounds like a lot of politicians and stuff now. Yeah. Nowadays. But no, we need to go back to the whole point that how was their imagination creating this? I don't they know. aren't psychic. Bajorans are not psychic in any way. I don't know. Was there a device that was doing it? I don't know. No, because when they when they wanted to get rid of it and they're screaming enough. <laughs> they would go. <laughs> this light would come out of their heads and glitter and stuff. And just like, it would just shrink and fuck off. <laughs> is, that just, is that what happened? <laughs> Because O'Brien's like, why is there no light coming from your heads? I really tried to focus on the fact that O'Brien was uncomfortable with the entire situation. So I was kind of trying not to pay too much attention to the absurdity of the rest. And because I enjoyed the stuff on the station. Honestly, the more I talk about it, the more upset I am with it. It's good because of how absurd it was. No. No, no, no. I I don't think it was. And uh, do you know what? I was super excited for an O'Brien episode. Yeah. The only thing I enjoyed about this episode was the fact that he was so cynical about it. I loved his cynicism. I thought it was great. Yeah. That smiles through and through. I thought that was really good. But just, what? I think because I was so busy, like you said, the kids were just chatting all the way through it. And then straight afterwards, I just got up and I had some other stuff to do. I think if I'd had a moment to just sit quietly, yeah. my head probably would have imploded and you wouldn't have had me. Well, that kind of happened to me when I saw that the monster was the, the cloud of gloop. Because in that moment, I was like, shit, something's off mm. here. And then when it started punching the walls, I was like, Whoa. Yeah, that was weird. I thought it was going to be, and this I think would have probably been a little bit better, some kind of beast that came. Because there, there wasn't really a reason why this thing came after the harvest. I thought it had come after the harvest because it was going to steal their food. But it was just... Yeah, why would... It just doesn't... If it was the imagination of the people, how is it coming at the same time every year? Or, why don't they just stop thinking about it? Yeah, why don't they just tell everyone that it's all coming from your imagination? So just stop thinking about it, guys, and we will not have this problem ever again. Because then that guy doesn't have a really, really cool, super easy job. Oh, so this is is all about a power coup, really. That doesn't even make it slightly more interesting. (laughs) It was so strange. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. Nephew stroke in a child. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. They could make that more blatant if they tried. Oh, definitely, yeah. And And sister-in-law stroke mother. Yeah, Um, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) And of course you get that scene when they do eventually slug it out in the mud, figuratively, mentally. It's all done. Yeah, Absolutely. The, so, the, yeah, the brother confronts him with his vulnerability. Saying in that sentence of, did you come back here for me to look after you? Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek Review Podcast. Yeah, the one you mentioned with Dr. Crusher is hilarious because it gets down to her and Captain Picard. And so it's like they have this giant galaxy class ship and there's just the two of them and he acts like it's a normal thing. And it's just absolutely ridiculous, right? Two people on that giant starship. And there's even the point where where she says, computer, how many personnel would it take to run this ship? And they're like 832 or something. And Picard's like, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird, I guess. I thought we were just doing it, the two of us, you know, like that was pretty funny. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.